And it said, My heart sings this song again. I mention every once in a while about the songs we sing and paying attention to the words of those songs and singing them from our heart. And many of them are directly to the Lord. And so that's a good witness and a good testimony and a mighty good feeling when that's true that my heart sings. Hallelujah. Praise the Lamb. That's worship. That is worship. And that's what we're here for today. And in John chapter 4, the Bible tells us clearly that He seeks those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. So the Lord's here today. And what is it that He's looking for? He's seeking worship. And we worship Him. We worship Him. Alright, for our text this morning, you can turn to the book of Titus in chapter number 2. And I hope that you all are not getting tired of hearing sermons about grace, but you just stuck with a grace preacher is what you're stuck with. And uh, I thought about this passage of scripture that I've been preaching from for some time now that if the Lord were to tell me that I don't have anything else in the Bible to preach from, just chapter 2 of the book of Titus, verse 11 through verse 14, I would have something to preach about if I lived to be a hundred and the Lord delayed His coming and I still was able to preach. So, it's a wonderful text and it has thrilled my heart as I've studied from it and meditated on it and thought about it. So I'm going to read all of it from 11 through verse 14 and then we're going to focus on certain parts of that. And... Uh, so as the Lord blesses His Word, as He sees fit this morning, and you follow in your Bible, chapter 2, beginning of verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, all kinds of, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Now we're going to focus on a, a particular part of that passage, as we did last Sunday morning. And in verse 11, it says this, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men teaching us. So we're going to stop there. Just think about what that, what that is saying. The grace of God, our teacher, teaching us. Now last Sunday morning, I focused on how grace could be a teacher. Because in the Bible we have several things that are mentioned that our teacher, that our teacher, our trainer, so to speak, our teacher. You might remember that I mentioned that the Bible said that the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, and that finishes that part 
of that, but we continue to learn from the law. Even after the law has brought us to Christ, we still continue to learn uh, from the law. And as I've expressed many times, one of the things we learn from the law, well, first of all, we learn that the moral law is always going to be true. It's still uh, a, a law that is to be followed. Thou shall not kill. Thou shall not bear false witness. And on and on and on. Shall not have any other God before you. That can be material things in our experience. The moral law will always be, has always been, the moral law. We're not under the ceremonial part of the law or civil part of the law any, anymore, but we still learn from it. One of the greatest lessons that I've learned from the law is it reflects the character of God. It really does. It reflects God's character. It, it, it will tell you, anything that you may question whether it's right or wrong, I probably can find it under the law and show you that God don't like that. You know, when God said, take certain people out and stone them, you can mark it down in your book that that is a reflection of how God feels about that. Whether we're under it anymore, it's still a reflection of the character of God. Then the Bible tells us that we're taught, and this is awesome, by the Holy Spirit. And He is our, the Spirit of truth. And the Bible says He will lead you into all truth. Then we learn that we are taught by certain individuals that are called of God to be teachers. And He has made some prophets and some uh, apostles and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints. So we have that source. And then the Bible says this in 2 Timothy and chapter number 3. It says all scriptures are given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, and correction. And listen to this. Instruction in righteousness. So does that mean the word of God is my teacher? It sure does. Well, how in the world is grace then a teacher? And I shared with you last uh, Sunday morning that grace is that force that God puts in us. Every believer, God puts that in us. It is in us. Paul said, uh, I labored more abundantly than I all, yet not I, but grace that worketh in me. It is a force that is working in a person. And so I've been sharing with you how that grace is more than unmerited favor and the riches of God at Christ's expense. It is a force. It is something God puts in everyone that is truly saved that will accomplish His work. Now keep in mind, I've been preaching from verse 14. And I think the neatest part about verse 14 is it tells us why Christ came into this world and what He is doing now, what's going on with that? And it says, he, to purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. It's something Christ is performing. How's he doing that? It is the grace that is in you. And it's God that worketh in you both the will and the do of his good pleasure. Paul said, being convinced of this one thing, that he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, the great question that comes to our mind is this. Does he just save someone and then just wait and you're on probation to see how you're going to turn out in the end? 
Or does He save someone? Does He put His grace in you? And does the Spirit work in you to perform His perfect will in your life? And the answer to that ought to be abundantly clear to anyone who has studied the Bible and who has thought about their own personal experience. I don't know about you. I don't know about anybody. But I'll tell you one thing I know about myself. There's been all along for 57 years of my experience something working in me. I would have no spiritual motivation apart from it. There would be none. What if I followed the inclination of the flesh every day of my life since that night long ago that I walked up the aisle and I told the preacher God had saved me and I need to be baptized and become a member of the church. What if I'd followed the inclination totally of the flesh? Oh, it's still there. I still do battle just like you. But I want to tell you, I know this for a fact that there has been a force that's working in me. I'll just remind you once again, I don't think I could read this to you too, too often, these definitions that were shared with me. I asked back several weeks ago, if you have a definition of grace that makes it a force rather than just, and it is God's riches at Christ's expense, it really is. It is unmerited favor. But is it more than that? And here were some of these that were shared with me. Listen to this. Matthew Henry wrote this. Grace is not simply kindly feelings on the part of God, but a positive power conferred on men. Grace is a real and active force. The power that worketh in us, illuminating the intellect, warming the heart, strengthening the will. Is that true? So grace is my teacher in this way. How? It's the motivating force in me. All those other things that I shared with you about what is our teacher, it motivates me to utilize them. If I didn't have grace in me, I wouldn't do that. I would not do that. And I, w- I want to tell you, there's a warning in this. You that are listening to me, if you've professed Christ as your Savior and there's not a motivating force working in you, you need to check up, my friend. You need to uh, try to understand why. Why am I not motivated? Why am I not motivated to search the Scripture? Why am I not motivated to follow the direction that the Lord gives? Here's another one. I don't know where this source comes from, but it says, what, requ- what God requires of us, He Himself works in us. Huh, that makes sense, don't it? What God requires of us, He works in us. He Himself works in us, or it's not done. He that commands faith and holiness and love creates them by the power of His grace in conjunction with His Word that He may have all the praise. He gets the credit for it, right? I want to tell you something this morning. If you're anything as far as spirituality is concerned, I'm going to tell you you need to thank the Lord for it. It didn't come from you. It come from Almighty God. And that's that grace He bestowed upon you. I don't know about you this morning, but that's good news. There's hope for me because of His working uh, in us. And so that's what we've been uh, looking at. All of these sources are all of grace anyway. They're all of grace. You can say, thank you, Lord, 
for your wonderful word. You can thank you, Lord, for even the law in the Old Testament that was a schoolmaster. You can say thank you, Lord, for the work of the Holy Spirit. You can say thank you, Lord, for those that God has called to be teachers. And you can thank the Lord for his, his word that is, uh, teaches us the righteousness of faith. And so all of these are a part of his grace. Now, I, I had shared with you that I wanted to, last week, teach you... Uh, but you just... I can crank it on up a little louder if I need to, if they fail up there. It's because my son's at the controls is a problem. And, and no, I'm just kidding. But anyway, uh, I'd said today I'm going to tell you what he teaches, what grace teaches. Did you know that's in the context? Isn't that wonderful? It's right there. Now, you, now let me, I, I won't get to it this morning probably, but let me give you a little assignment here. You say, I know that what grace teaches me follows verse 11 and the first words of verse 12. Teaching us, I seen, you read them a while ago, but how many of you know that it is prior to that verse 11? And here's the assignment I'll give you. As you go home this week and you read that text over and over again and it keeps on blessing your heart. It's not old. It's not boring. It'll keep blessing your heart. The first word of verse 11. Did you notice what that word is? For. That's a wonderful little conjunction. And it means because. And so that tells us what it said before is part of that too. You see, that's what we're going to do. But for what I want to do this morning, I want to share with you why that's important that grace is my trainer and my teacher. Why do I need to be taught? You remember the first mark of a genuine Christian? You remember what it is. They are teachable. They are interested. They are motivated. They know they believe, need to be instructed. And they're thankful for the instruction. Amen? That's exactly what that means. That means that the Lord must be doing something. It means that I probably wasn't what He desires. I might not be that peculiar people the way I was when I first come to Him. And so there needs to be a work that goes on continually as long as I draw a breath. Because He's preparing me for glory. Did you know that? He's preparing me for glory. Now, something I found interesting I want to share with you. That word that I, I read in your hearing just a moment ago, and I'll read it again, and then I'll point out something. It says, all scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. And here it is, instruction in righteousness. Instruction in righteousness. Now, I've been a Christian a long time. I've been teaching and preaching the Word of God for about 50 years. I haven't been a pastor all that time, but I was teaching the Word of God that far back. You might say, you don't need to learn nothing new. Oh, yes, I do. You know why I know I need to learn something new? I've not arrived in glory yet. He's still working on me. You see what this brings out is I need to be instructed. I need to be taught. I'm not 
arrived yet. It's an awesome thought to know for sure that you're saved and that grace is in you and grace is working to motivate you to become more and more and more what Jesus wants you to be because as I've shared with you, He's got to spend eternity with you. We think in terms, boy, I'll get to go to heaven and be with Jesus forever and forever and forever. That's wonderful, amen? But you know what? He's thinking he's got to be with you forever and forever and forever. You know, I shared this with you. I I don't mean to keep repeating myself, but it's just so good I can't help myself. We get the idea, one of these days, Jesus is coming back or I'm going to die. And all at once, everything is going to change. And I'm going to be singing his praises forever and forever and forever and enjoying that. You know what? I've come to believe over the years, if you're not used to singing his praises now, I don't know that you'll be doing that in eternity. I believe in a work of grace. One of the reasons I'm a grace preacher is my own experience. I believe in it. I believe that he keeps working those things out. Now, that word instruction is interesting. This is the only place it's in the New Testament. The verse I read to you. And in the Old Testament, other than the book of Proverbs, it's only found five times. But in the book of Proverbs, it's found 25 times. I'll just share two or three of them. If you want to turn back there in Proverbs, and uh, we'll start. I'll just, I'll go real quickly. You can follow me along in your Bible if you, if you like. But here's, here's the first one I want to read to you. In chapter 1, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord. Now, what is that? That's a reverence and a respect for the Lord. It's not, I'm not afraid of God. I'm afraid of what might happen to me if I don't obey Him. Because I belong to Him. He's bought me and paid for me. I am not my own. The Bible says I was bought with a price. Now why do I say that? People who are truly saved, who is it that God disciplines? The answer to that is so simple in Hebrews chapter 12. Everyone that he receiveth, he loveth and he disciplines. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. He chasteneth. You know, I know about that and I thank, you for the, I'm, I thank God for the good lesson my daddy taught me growing up. He wore me out when I needed it. <laughs> you, you say, preacher, I can't imagine you. You just don't know how rowdy me and my brother Randall were growing up. We got, we got in all kinds of trouble. I tell you what, by the time we was six or seven years old, we was hiding out, chewing tobacco and smoking and doing all kinds of stuff. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But he taught me something about this is how much I love you. I love you too much to let you become what you'd be if I don't correct you. That's what was happening. That's the way my Lord is in my life. He disciplines His children. When we just pay no attention to what we're doing or we don't think nothing about obeying the Lord or going to church and doing all those things, why He starts working in our life. And I've told the story about one time 
one time I was praying, every time I turned around, I was saying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And, and here I am. Here I am again, Lord. I'm in trouble again. I have this fear and this thing on my heart. And all at once, one day it dawned on me, he did it. He caused me to see it. The only time I was praying was when I was in trouble, so I stayed in trouble. And I got to come to realize, Lord, I'm not talking to you about anything other than my troubles. And I began to say, now Lord, I don't have no trouble today, but I want to tell you how much I love you, and I want to praise you, and honor you, and glorify you, and I want to ask you to have mercy on me, and help me, and keep me to, in your will. The troubles went away. Christian, I'm going to tell you something. When you ignore your relationship with Jesus Christ, you'll keep getting in trouble if you're saved. If you're not saved, it won't happen. You don't have to worry about it. But if you really are saved, and He loves you too much to let you become what you would become if He didn't intervene in your life. Isn't that something? But that's what it is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise instruction. Preacher, I don't hate instruction. I just don't pay no attention to it. Same difference. Amen? Let me show you nothing right quick. I, I, we'll move real quick. Chapter 4 and verse number 13. Take fast hold of instruction and let her not go. Keep her for she is thy life. In chapter 6 in verse 23. And here's what it says. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is a light and reproofs of instruction. There it is. Reproofs of instructions are a way of life. That's talking about discipline. Chapter 8 in verse number 10. Notice what it says. Receive my instructions and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. That's the value of it. Verse 33 of that chapter. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. In chapter 9 in verse number 9. And here's what it says in verse 9. Give instruction to a wise man and he'll be yet wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. Chapter 10 in verse 17. It says this. He, he is in the way of life that keepeth instruction, but he that refuses reproof erreth. You see, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about instruction. Also, I'll give you another. Chapter 12 and verse 1. Whoso loveth instruction loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. Chapter 13 and verse 18 says this. Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuses instruction, but he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. You might say, preacher, I don't pay no attention to instructions of the word of God, but I'm not in poverty. I've got plenty of money in the bank. I want to tell you all something this morning. Listen carefully. Poverty is not just material things. I know people that's got enough money to burn a wet elephant. And they are the most miserable people that I know on the face of the earth. I told Sue this morning, I said, if you had a mansion, you could do something. And she said, I don't remember what it was now, but she said, well, if I had a mansion, I wouldn't need to do that. Well, if she had a mansion, she probably wouldn't be as happy as she is in our precious little home that's full of love. 
Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It don't matter what your house looks like. It just needs to be a home. Amen. If it's a home. it's So poverty, poverty comes in a lot of ways. I know people in poverty that's got plenty. Chapter 15 and verse 32. And it says this. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. Well, you could say ignores his own soul because that's what it means. But he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. Verse 33 says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Verse chapter 19 and verse number 20. And you know I could just keep going. I told you there was 25 of them, but I won't read them all. Verse 20 says, Hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy letter in. What's that mean? It means that when we get old, we'd have a little wisdom. Ain't that right, Brother Moore? <laughs> and he's a wise man. The reason I, reason I used him as an illustration. And, and you know something I... I've told this before, but something I noticed. When I first went into the ministry, for some reason there was several old preachers that took an interest in me. I guess they felt sorry for me when they heard me preach. That's what I guess. And I ended up with a library, probably about eight or nine, ten thousand books. It was unreal because when they got old and decrepit, they give me all their library. That's how, of course, I've given so many away. I don't have, I may have a thousand or two thousand. I don't know in my study at home. I had to build a building just for my study at home simply because I had so many wonderful books. And uh, what, here's what I learned from those old ministers of the gospel. You know how people get old? And they become senile, and they become decrepit, and they, uh, they, they, they can't think, their mind goes bad and stuff like that, you know. I noticed that all of those old preachers were still sharp as they could be. And I wondered what it was. I know what it was. Hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. Well, that's the way I want to be. If the Lord delays his coming long enough and I'm still around uh, when I get to be 90 or 100 years old and I can't hardly get around and walk anymore, I want my mind to be okay. You know, when your mind goes, you can just forget it. (laughs) Did you like that? When your mind goes, you can just forget it. It goes on to say in the 21st verse, There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. That's what I won't praise his name. Chapter 23. Chapter 23 and in verse number 12. Apply thy heart unto instruction and thy ears unto the word of knowledge. Verse 23 of that chapter says, Buy the truth and sell it not and wisdom, and instruction, and understanding. That tells us how valuable that is. You know how valuable it is? It is all those ways that we are taught, and it's grace that puts the fire in us, that makes us utilize every channel of grace. 
Now I want to make another point or two about what the Lord is up to. Now we've not gotten to what it teaches yet, but we will probably start next Sunday morning. There was some interesting text. I, I want to, uh, you, you, you know this text, but I want to point something out in it. Romans chapter 9. Romans and chapter number 9. Now, I want you to listen real careful as I read this and as you look at it in your Bible. Here's, what, here's the point I'm making. God saved me, but He's still working on me. And He's going to keep working on me. And I know He is because there's something in me that I didn't put there. And it was His grace. Now I want you to listen real careful. Listen real careful. In verse 20 of chapter 9, Paul says, Nay, O man, who art thou that that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made us thus? Now listen real careful. Are you listening? Hath not the potter power over the clay? I know you've heard that and read that many times in your life. But have you ever stopped to think about what you are as a child of God? You're like a lump of clay. I'm a lump of clay. Now what am I learning from that? I'm learning that He didn't just save me and leave me alone and see how things are going to turn out. I'm telling you this morning that that grace is the trainer that's in us and motivates us. Hath not the potter power of the clay. Now listen to this. It gets better. Of the same lump. Now listen. To make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor. You know what you are if you're saved this morning? You're a chunk of clay. You're a vessel in the hand of a potter. I want you to know something. I want you to know when the Bible says to purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works, that's what Jesus is doing in your life, my brother and my sister. That's what he's doing of the same lump. Now, it gets even more interesting. Listen to this. In verse 22, What if God willing to show his wrath... And to make his power known, endureth with much long suffering the vessel of wrath fitted for destruction. Oh, but preacher, I didn't think God did anything like that. I just thought God was just a God of grace and mercy and love. And he never, oh, if you read this whole text, you'll find there was a character in it. His name was Pharaoh. And I want to tell you, things did not turn out well for Pharaoh. Why? It's explaining it in that verse, that there are vessels of wrath. This is God's working. Same potter and clay working to create a vessel fitted for destruction. And it's for his honor and his glory. He told Pharaoh that. You can go back and read the story. I'm going to wreck your life. For my honor and glory. And everybody's going to know that I'm God when I get through with you. You go back and read that story. But here's the precious part. 
Christian, I want you to listen. And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessel of mercy which he hath afore prepared unto glory. Now I tell you what that means. That means, Christian, listen, you're going to glory. And you're going to go prepared. You're going to go prepared. That grace is working on you and working on me. And I don't know about you, but I thank my God for it. I thank my God for it. And I thank God for some people who have listened to this little series on grace and responded. Oh, church, I want to tell you, I thank you for my cell phone. <laughs> yes, the church provides it for me and Sue. And you should. And all this COVID stuff, these hospitals have treated me so mean. Me and the fellow over pastoral ministry at UK Hospital went round and round and round. And I told him people that are in there that are sick, they don't need, only need medical attention, they need their pastor to pray with them. I don't know where it done any good or not, but I show, they just told me I wasn't allowed. You can't come in here. You're not allowed. You're not permitted. I've been there two or three times. I'm sorry to be so critical, but I've been there two or three times and I never got out of the lobby. So my cell phone, you say, what about your cell phone? Oh, man. Ministry has improved and multiplied and I'm, on, I'm constantly in contact with people. Somebody asked me the other day, as they was talking to me and it went off about four or five times and they said, does that happen all the, every day? And I thank God for it. Not only texts, but phone calls. And this little series on grace, it might not mean nothing to you, but I'll tell you what, there's been some people that have heard them by way of social media that have responded and I thank God for people who love grace like I love grace. If you've got grace in you, guess what's going to happen? You're going to love it. Amen. You're going to praise God for it and love it. Let me give you another one right quick. I like this. You know, uh, there's a passage. I, you, you don't have to turn to it. I know every one of you can quote it. For by grace through faith are you saved, that not of yourself... It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's my doctrine of salvation right there, in a nutshell. I don't care what else you might bring up, that's still true. And it's going to always be true. That he says we're saved by grace, that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But listen to this. For we are, are you listening? His workmanship created in Christ Jesus and two good works which he hath before ordained that we should walk therein. Don't you tell me God's not still working on you if you're saved. If you're saved, he is. If he's not working, you're not. That's just a fact. If he's not working, you're not. I'll give you one more right quick. This one I like too. It's in the book of Hebrews. And it's in chapter 13. 
And I remember the last time I preached from this text was at a uh, missionary meeting. We support missions through Baptist Faith Missions. They asked me to come and preach at one of their conferences back some time ago, and I used this text. Verse number 20, chapter 13 and verse 20. Now the God of peace, you like it? You like it? My, what a blessing. You say, preacher, I don't have no peace. Well, I can tell you where to plug in and get it. <laughs> the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. Who'd Jesus come to save? Read John chapter 10. It's the sheep. That's who. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant to make you perfect. Now let me tell you what that word means. In the Greek, it means to equip you in every good thing. To render you complete. How does he do that? By his grace. The same grace that saved me is the grace that's working on me to make you perfect in every good work to do His will. Preacher, I want to know how to do His will. It starts with a desire in the heart. It starts with motivation. I've come to know this for a fact. There are some people claim to be saved, they're not motivated. And it shows all over them they can't hide it. They can't fake it. And he goes on to make you perfect in every good to will to do his will. Working in you. Listen. That which is well pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Working in you. You see? Working in you. And by the way, how many of you know grace... You can see it. Well, I'm glad you think that because I'm going to show you something. You can see it. Here's a verse of Scripture that proves that. Now, what do you mean? You mean I can see it in people? I can. I really can. I don't judge nobody's heart, but I tell you what I can recognize, and I can recognize in heartbeat, is grace working in people. When I hear them talk, when I watch their activities, when I observe, we got church members who don't care whether they're here at church or not. Might as well say it. We got church members, they'll stay home tonight, won't come to uh, participate in one of the two ordinances that Jesus Christ gave his church to administer. It's just a fact. Please don't get offended at the preacher, it's just a fact. It always has been. It's much less prevalent here than other places I've been, but it's just a fact. And here I'm going to read this verse in your hearing. This is in Acts chapter 11, verse 23. The Bible says this, Then tidings of this thing, these things came to the ears of the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen... The grace of God was glad. Preacher, I don't believe you can see grace. What that verse means is, he saw the impact of it. 
on those believers. I can see grace too. I love to see grace. I love to see grace. Grace is a wonderful thing. If you're a believer this morning, it's training you for glory. Because Jesus is going to have to put up with you for all eternity. (laughs) So he's still working on me. I love it. I need it. I pray for it. Father, thank you for these wonderful truths that are found in this context. Thank you for the, I thank you for the joy it's brought to my heart by thinking about these verses and what they mean. And I pray, Lord, that they are exciting to everybody else too. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the experience of grace. And thank you for the fact that its impact will show in our lives. Now bless us as we close the service and sing this last song. I pray, O Lord, if there's anyone present or maybe in a home somewhere that you're speaking to, that they may bow their head and ask you to save them or renew their commitments to you. Whatever the need might be, we would rejoice in seeing it happen. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen. Now would you stand with me while Brother Aaron leads us in a closing number.